But it's one of those days that I'm not sure I can quite get to everything, and that's okay. Uh, that's what we have guests for. Let's bring in Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's here to talk Hornets and Super Bowl and Panthers and a whole lot more. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Scott Fowler, how you been, brother? Thank you for the time. Kyle, I'm very glad to be here. Following Steve Smith and Dale Curry is no prize, though. You've had a couple of big-time guests already today. Yeah, but you know what? You uh, you, you add to it beautifully. You're, you're the perfect way to uh, to jump into the 5 o'clock hour, so I appreciate that. And uh, there are a lot of places that we could start, but let, let's actually start with something that happened today. Uh, Mitch Kupchak authored what I thought was a pretty impressive trade deadline on Thursday, and here we are on Monday News comes down that he's officially moving into an advisory role, and they're looking for a new GM and president of basketball operations. What do you make of the news, the timing of it, and overall, you know, being a bit reflective, the job that Mitch did here? Well, I think Mitch would tell you that he didn't accomplish his ultimate goal here because Mitch is a winner and, and was, I mean, good gracious, he's got 10 championship rings uh, based on his time as a at the Lakers, uh, mostly, you know, in their front office and then also as a player. And that never came close to occurring here. That said, uh, I, he's had some impressive hits, uh, drafting LaMelo, drafting Brandon Miller. And like you, Kyle, I'd say he's going out with, uh, a kind of a bang. I thought Thursday was, uh, you know, he did, he did some nice things there. So that was, that was good. The timing doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, it, it, it is probably time for this to happen, but was glad that he got to, you know, go through the final trade deadline in the last draft. What about his comments Friday with the press where he, he said, hey, ownership, new ownership, shockingly knowledgeable. And it sounded like they were pretty involved. What'd you make of that? I like it. Uh, although, you know, it's funny because we, we always talk about, oh, we don't want David Tepper to be too involved. right? <laughs> and I, I'm as guilty of that as anyone. And so here now the new Hornets owners are very good, very involved. Uh, Rick Schnall seems to be on TV all the time. Uh, every time I go to a Hornets game, he's there. Uh, I think that's good, I mean, because Michael was pretty hands-off, right? I mean, he was on the phone a lot, but he wasn't in person very much at all. So I, I think the thing is you always want something different than what you have if it is not working. And it's not been working. So shockingly knowledgeable, I thought that was a plus. You, you've chronicled most of the meaningful sports moments in this history. And I, I don't think that what we saw Saturday is going to make a top 10 list necessarily, but uh, as somebody who's pretty much seen it all, watching Seth Curry walk back into that arena wearing Dell's number 30 and suiting up for the Hornets for the first time, what'd you think of that? I really thought it was cool. Uh, I, I thought that was neat. And, uh, you know, I watched that game on TV, not in person, in part because I wanted to hear Dell's call of Seth as a Hornet. And uh, I, I, Dell is just so good at walking that line. He's had a lot of practice at it now over the years, calling his son's games, always a, as an opponent. Uh, but I just thought he, you know, he handled it well. Seth is going to handle it well. Seth, uh, Dell told me once about Seth, he's a classic middle child. Nothing ever riles him too much. When Steph was blowing up, Seth didn't care because he could still beat him sometimes in the backyard. And I think he's he's going to fit in just fine here. I don't know if that was a one-game wonder that they had on Saturday. It did look different, Kyle. I've been listening to your show all day. It did look very, very different, as you said. Uh, can that energy level be sustained against a really good team tonight? It would be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer. He's with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Last thing on the Hornets, and I want to move on. Brandon Miller. 
Uh, in the month of February, you've probably seen these numbers, but if you haven't, 25 points, five rebounds per game in the month of February, shooting 50% from the floor, 45 from three, 85 from the stripe. He leads all rookies in points, steals, and threes so far here in the month of February. And look, that's a smaller sample size, but man, he's been good since the Rozier trade, and he's been at least pretty good to good throughout this entire season. How right did they get this one, and has this maybe you know, allowed them to look at, at roster building a little bit differently moving forward. I think so. I think, the, you know, the two things uh, you can guarantee next year that are going to happen is LaMelo and Brandon Miller will be here, and that, that's, you know, that's the basis. They'll start there and and build around. Uh, I have been pleasantly surprised by Brandon Miller. I'm, I'm all in on him as a player. I mean, he's... I don't think defensively he's great yet. I think he fouls a little too much, but that's a minor quibble compared to all the good things he's uh, he's bringing. And it's true that Rozier, once Rozier was traded, uh, Brandon Miller has gotten more shots by necessity. And so he's shooting a bunch more, and he's still, I mean, shoot, the guy still's making it a high, high level. So I think this is, this one, uh, you know, really could be – he could be their Bradley Beal or somebody like that where he really is a, a scorer for a long time here. Um, hey, Scott, I'd, I'd be a dummy and completely remiss not to mention Gerald Wallace being honored on Saturday night. Um, you know, that was one of the darker periods in Bobcats or Charlotte pro basketball history, but he was certainly a bright spot and a silver lining. And, you know, he got dealt away, and months later, the, the um, I guess the torch was passed to Kimball Walker. But what did you think about them honoring him on Saturday night, and uh, how overdue was that? That was great. Uh, Crash, as, as everyone nicknamed him, and he was fun to watch. And you'd cringe. He'd be up there high, and somebody would be undercutting him because he was just up there higher than most people can get and just threw his body around. Good to hear that deep, very white voice. Uh, he's still got that, and it sounded like he was doing a lot of good work and back in the community. So I was really, really glad to see that. I'm, I'm glad they are honoring their traditions here. You know, and this, I think it's their 35th year or something, and uh, and that part's cool. I just wish they had more uh, winning years to honor. Right? That's that's the one missing component. Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, Super Bowl 58 came and went. I don't think it was. It, it wasn't titillating to a large swath of the audience for the first, let's say, two and a half, three quarters. But, man, it got good late. And the narratives today, you know them. Patrick Mahomes, is he in the conversation for greatest of all time? How don't you know the overtime rules? Travis Kelsey yelling at his head coach. Kyle Shanahan choked again. What, what's your preferred narrative today about the Super Bowl? Uh, Mahomes. I think I, Mahomes is – I picked uh, the Chiefs to win by a touchdown beforehand because I'm, I just never pick against Mahomes anymore. I just – he is to me, um, you know, the, the NFL needs stars to drive it, and he is. He handles that mantle so gracefully to me, and it's just, uh, just a, a absolute rocket ship. So I prefer to concentrate on that. I thought what Kelsey did, but that was bad news for sure. Uh, Shanahan and the overtime rules. Honestly, I might take the ball first because the thing is, if they. You know, if you tie, it's not like college where everyone gets possession after possession and it's always even. If you both score field goals or touchdowns to begin with, then you get the ball third, too. Although I did hear the Chiefs, if that had been the situation, would have gone for two. So maybe it would have just been a one-possession thing. Regardless, I thought Mahomes won that game more than the 49ers lost it. That's fair. No, I'm with you on that. And uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, I've said a lot about it. And, uh, you know, the, the team here is not involved. So, 
And let's talk about them. Uh, the Panthers have the absolute worst odds in the NFL for the Super Bowl next year, according to the odds makers. None of us expect them to be there, but uh, Dave Canales is here now, and you've, you and I have not caught up on the air since all that happened. What do you think about what they've done here? You know, doing it all over again, plugging in new pieces, Canales, Morgan, Brant Tillis. Is this the time they get it right? Well, I liked what Smitty said on your show earlier. Don't make more of it than what it is. Uh, I think they've taken some nice steps here. Uh, I mean, my first impressions of Canales, and I've been around him now a little bit, uh, are good. Uh, Dan Morgan, I've known for 20 years, and I know how hard he's going to work. But really, Dan Morgan is more important over the next four months than Canales. I mean, they have got to get some more players for Canales to coach and for Bryce Young to throw to and to protect him. And after that, we'll see. Where Canales, we're never going to be able to judge until he gets into the real games. Morgan, we're going to be able to judge a little earlier probably and see what you know what sort of magic he can concoct because they just need they just need some more players, Kyle. Oh, they do. <laughs> they need. <laughs> they do. They need several new players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, speaking of of former uh, of Carolina Panthers, though, I, I'm bouncing around here, but I want to touch a lot of things with you. When did it become clear to you, or maybe when did you think? I'm not even sure if this question applies in that way. But like, did you ever have a moment where you were like, "Yep, Julius Peppers is a first ballot Hall of Famer"? <laughs> yeah, early. Uh, I think it was one time when he picked off a ball. It was that year, around 2004 or five. he had picked off a, I think a Michael Vick, like it was actually a fumble, but he picked it off one-handed and returned it 60 yards for a touchdown. And that same year, I remember he picked off an interception and ran like 97 yards the other way. And so, I mean, early on, he felt, everyone said, oh, this guy could be a Hall of Famer, could be a Hall of Famer, et cetera. I guess I didn't really know until he came back. And that season when he was about 37 and still had 11 or 12 sacks uh, at that age, he just put together so many great seasons. That was the thing with Julius, so many. He never led the NFL in sacks in a particular year, but he had, you know, what, a dozen or something of 10 or more. He just was unfailingly consistent. My favorite stat on Julius Peppers, 17 years he missed two games because of injury games in 17 years it's unbelievable it's unbelievable all right last thing and i know there's something you want to talk about after that but um we, we try to give the 49ers the charlotte 49ers as much you know love around here as they're due right uh yep. and boy they're due some love these days aaron fern the interim tag was taken off him this morning he's the next full-time head coach men's basketball coach of the 49ers the 14th in program history uh, i thought it was really cool as you likely did last week to see bobby lutz on the sideline at halton sold out uh, televised game and you know here they are having success that that they haven't seen in quite some time since Bobby Lutz as a matter of fact what do you think of what they've done and, and what they did today to keep Aaron Fern long term liked it liked it uh I think this was the you know I was I was a little surprised at the timing like you could wait I suppose until you saw how the season played out but Mike Hill thought the uh, UNC's C's AD basically said hey uh it's well I've seen enough we're going to do it. And uh, Aaron Fern, I mean, they have really turned it around. I went to that game with, you know, talked to Lutz. It's the first time he'd been in the building in 14 years, which was just extraordinary to me. Uh, I know some 49ers fans joke about the Bobby Lutz curse, curse the last time they made it to the NCAA tournament 2005, 19 years ago. Uh, this team has a legit shot. I wouldn't say a great shot. They're going to have to win their conference tournament. But Fern, what he's done – 
uh, I mean, he deserves uh, the full-time job for sure. All right, last thing. You, you've got a cool interview podcast series over there at The Observer. I uh, know we know about it. A lot of your, your folks, our listeners also know about it. What's next up in that installment? Yeah, thanks uh, for asking. Uh, season three of Sports Legends of the Carolinas comes out on Wednesday. This is right on the eve of the Daytona 500. So we have the king, uh, Richard Petty, is uh, our first guest of this season. Just a, just such a fun interview. It'll be online Wednesday on charlotteobserver.com. Also be free in podcast form if you're a podcast person on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. But uh, Richard Petty, 86 years old and still really with it, Kyle. It was a fascinating conversation. Oh, I bet so. I bet so. It's a hell of a booking job. Well done, buddy. Scott, we appreciate you, my friend. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Bye.